0: Hey everybody, it's John. Uh, This is a special episode of X's, the television pilot script. And before we get into it, uh, I just want to let you know it's intended for a mature audience. So, you know. Alright, let's do this. Fade in. Exterior. Soul. Dawn. Bathed in the glow of gaudy neon signs and early morning sun, Cleaning crews are sweeping up the evidence of last night's festivities from these crowded city streets. Aubrey, voiceover. Ah, Sunday mornings in Seoul, when the city that never sleeps tries to sleep it off. The cleaning crews try to simply sweep around a drunk and feisty Korean couple in trendy evening wear, swearing at each other outside a club. A time to assess the damage of the night before. The woman shoves her boyfriend and storms off some relationships died interior apartment bathroom dawn the bathroom is small dank and stuffed beyond reason with a wide variety of bath and beauty products angle on a pair of eyes they are puffy and bloodshot bloodshot gloria choi 28 an unusually butch korean american woman is clutching the bowl as if it were the only thing tethering her to the ground she is sweating through her weezer t-shirt We see from behind a young woman clad only in panties enter the bathroom and tenderly rub her back. Gloria looks at her with disdain, dry heaves, and looks to camera. Fucking soju. Cut to interior, Michael's apartment, bedroom, morning. Wrinkled sheets weave around a gorgeously long leg and thigh. We follow the thigh up the body. Aubrey, whilst others were born, angle on a pair of eyes, They blink slowly for a moment just before darting around the room. We pull back to reveal Michael Murray, 31, an awkward-looking Canadian. He recognizes this room. This is home. A desk nearby is cluttered with a massive computer monitor and assortment of gaming gear. Empty cans of Hot 6 are stacked high. Posters of Girls' Generation are haphazardly taped to the terrible floral uh, wallpaper walls of this small studio. Michael notices something next to him in the bed and looks over to find a beautiful Korean girl nestled in his arm and sleeping soundly. He smiles and looks to camera. Fucking soju. Interior, Love Motel, morning. Sunlight streams into the motel room through a cigarette hole in yellowed shades. Aubrey, mistakes were made. Angle on a pair of eyes. They casually scan the room, an empty box of love-rings love condoms lies crumpled on the nightstand. A pair of boxers bearing the Australian flag are dangling from a nearby lamp. We pull back from the eyes to reveal that this is a reflection from a dirty mirror hanging over the bed. As we continue back, we see Brent Walker, 29, a tan and fit Aussie with long blonde surfer hair. Further back, we see his companion, an mid-fifties, in her bra, "'stroking his locks. <laughs> "'Ajima, anhyangaseyo. "'Hello, polite form. "'He stares at her for a moment and then turns to camera, "'Brent, whimsically. "'Fucking soju. Aubrey. "'But these made for the best stories later. "'Cut to exterior, office tell, morning. "'A pair of designer heels approach from the front stairs "'of this high-rise apartment.' They are soon joined by another pair that meet them at the landing. Woman's voice off-screen, Jess whispering, Get me out of here before that mess of a man wakes up. The two pairs of wearable art begin to quietly and cautiously make their way down the steps. It is early in the morning, and there are empty bottles of soju littering the stairs. One misstep could set off a domino-like cascade of crashing glass. Aubrey to herself, Fucking soju! We pull back to reveal Aubrey Kruger, 29, a stylish blonde South African, and Jess Poole, 31, her disheveled but gorgeous green-eyed British counterpart, carefully weaving through the green-glass landmines. An ancient yakult Ajima, shoving a rusty yogurt cart down the road, um, stops to stare at the two foreigners sneaking away and scoffs, Ajima pushing a yogurt cart. They should go find a church. Aubrey awkwardly waves to the old woman. Aubrey, giggling, I feel like we're fourteen again and sneaking out of our parents' house to go to a party and meet cute boys. Jess, whispering, would you please keep your voice down? Aubrey, why? Prefer to do your walk of shame in solemn silence? Jess, I just don't want him waking up and asking for my number or something. Let's just let the past be the past. Aubrey, the past? You met him a few hours ago. Aubrey stumbles and kicks over a bottle, which in turn uh, knocks over another bottle. Aubrey, run! Crash after crash of glass on concrete reverberates through the complex of high-rises. Jess looks over her shoulder as they run, as fast as these heels will carry them. Jess, fucking soju! Aubrey, voiceover, welcome to Seoul. Smash 2, opening credits. End of teaser. Act 1. Fade in. Interior subway car. Camera POV. Day. On screen. We are watching this scene on Aubrey's YouTube page. This video is already quite popular with over 500,000 views. As she speaks, we cut to people watching the video on various devices in a variety of locations, a laptop in bed, an iPad on a bus, an iPhone in a toilet stall, etc., Aubrey holds the camera on on herself with one hand, while the other grips a support handle for dear life as the subway car jerks along the track. Aubrey. I got a Facebook message last night from a friend of mine who recently returned home to the States with his girlfriend of three years. He met her here in Seoul. On the subway, actually. An ajima in a mirrored black visor smacks Aubrey with a shoulder as she passes. The camera shakes. The woman doesn't even turn back to look. Aubrey gives her a brief glance and then carries on. They were an amazing couple. I always envied how much they were in love, even after years of putting up with each other's shit. Anyway, he was writing to let me know that they had just called it quits. Didn't even make it a month back home. He said they were just different people. It's nothing new. I've heard the same sad story from other couples I've known here. So it got me thinking, can a love born abroad ever survive the long trip home? Jess, off screen, hey, where are we going? Cut to, interior, subway car, day. It's the same subway car. Aubrey hits pause on the camera and turns to look at Jess. Aubrey, what, like in the existential sense? No, like, how do we get to the airport? Where do we transfer? I've never taken the subway there. This is the express train. When it stops, we're at the airport. Jess nods and begins to rummage through her bag. That's a shame about Brad and Eliana. I didn't see that one coming. Neither did I. They must be devastated. Aubrey nods to the resume and photo in Jess's bag. So, the annual fresh meat run. Who do we have? Jess looks over the paperwork. Haley Rendell, 22, a double major in education and child development, Graduated with honors. 22? Jesus, they're getting younger every year. This one's from Lufkin, Texas. I looked it up. Population 35,067. Correction 35,066. I wonder if there was room in the overhead compartment for her horse and sidearms. From the PA system in both Korean and English. Announcer. This is Incheon Airport. The door is on your right. Jess, we will soon find out. As they begin to exit the subway car, a flood of Koreans try to force their way in. Interior, subway station, continuous. The girls struggle to get past the travelers and their luggage. After a moment, the train departs and they are left on the eerily quiet platform. Suddenly, a child's voice chirps from inside Aubrey's bag. Aubrey's phone. Cacao talk. Jess shakes her head in disgust. Remember when we said no phones? You promised me two hours of uninterrupted Aubrey time. Cacao talk. I know, I know. Just let me check it just for a sec. Jess reluctantly waves her consent and leads the way into the terminal as Aubrey fishes the phone out of her bag. She groans when she sees who the message is from. Apparently, the boys are awake. Cut to interior. Aubrey's phone, continuous. On screen. This is the Cacao Talk chat screen. There is a message from a user labeled Charming but Borderline Alcoholic Ozzy. Aussie. Aussie, do you have a sec? Aubrey, I'm at the airport with Jess. Something's come up. I really need to talk to you. Is it serious? I'm kind of in the middle of something here. I'm afraid it is. Cut to interior, screen golf room, continuous. Brent, Michael, Gloria, and their friend Kenny Kim, 29, a chain-smoking Korean who is a bit socially awkward but fluent in English, are in a darkened screen golf suite. They have dressed the part, checkered pants and brightly colored polos with stylish shoes. In front of them is a large theater screen with a very realistic rendering of hole 17 of the old course at St. Andrews. On all sides are surround sound speakers, emitting the chirps of the sounds of chirping birds and swirling winds. Behind them is a couch and table, both of which are covered in discarded golf accessories and empty beer cans. Gloria is at the tea box, lining up for her drive. She glares over her shoulder. Brent clears some space and puts his ringing phone on the table. He accepts the FaceTime call. Aubrey's face fills the screen. Aubrey. This better be important. Jess, off-screen. Fucking Steve Irwin. Brent. I need you to tell your boy to stop being such a poofter. Aubrey. Jesus, Brent, I don't have time for this. Brent. His head's all wrong. He's heading down a dark path, and as his as his friends, it's we have a responsibility to set him right. Michael stands behind him and mimes put, uh, putting a gun in his mouth and pulling the trigger. Gloria. Can his salvation wait until after my drive? Brent, of course. The room is silent as she swings. With a ping, it rockets off down the fairway. Brent, cracking shot glow. She curtsies, and as she uh, returns to her spot on the couch, smacks Michael's ass. You're up, bitch. Aubrey, so... Brent, oh yeah, so he's talking about wanting to find the one... Like finding someone to marry and bring back to mum and dad back in vagina. Michael from the tea box That's Regina, you idiot. Brent. Whatever. We won't let you do it, Michael. You have so much left to live for. Think of all the single women out there. Cut to Interior, Incheon Airport. Arrivals, continuous. Jess and Aubrey arrive at the international arrivals exit near Customs. Jess holds up a sign that reads Haley R. Aubrey to the phone. Listen, I've got to go, but Michael, don't do anything rash. We'll talk about it over dinner tonight. With that, she hangs up the phone. Sorry about that. Jess. How are they even up this early? Aubrey. I have no idea. I'd still be comatose if it hadn't been for that double-shot latte. Cut to... Interior. Screen golf room. Continuous. Brent tosses his phone on the couch and pulls the driver out of his bag. I think it's time to let the big dog eat, Gloria, he said before unleashing a massive 70-yard drive. Brent, what the fuck is a yard? Michael, just hit the ball, dipshit. Gloria called it right. The ball comes off the tee with a massive slice. It settles in the rough, about 76 yards out. Ha! Ha! Brent, it's my shoulder, you know. He rubs his shoulder blade as Michael pulls his cap down over his face. Michael, tell me again why I'm here after only three hours of sleep. Brent, two reasons. Golf, despite the public perception, is great exercise. We're working all those toxins out of our systems. Uh Uh-huh. And the other? They start serving alcohol here at 6 a.m. Hair of the dog, mate. Gloria, I'm more of a cat person. Michael, you just like pussy. That doesn't make you a cat person. You hate animals. Kenny, wow. Does your family know you're a gap slapper? Gloria, gap slapper? Jesus Christ, where did you learn English? Kevin Smith movies? Interior, Inchon Airport, arrivals, morning. Aubrey and Jess are continuing to wait for the arrival. The sign is beginning to droop a little as their interest in the new meat wanes. Jess checks the time on her phone. What was all that about? Ah, uh, They're abusing Michael because he confessed. He's searching for the one to take home to mum and dad. A bit cruel, if you ask me. No, they're right. The act of cruelty would be inflicted upon that poor girl. I don't follow. How is Michael finding the love of his life an act of cruelty? Michael, like lots of men, has no idea what he wants. Until he does, he would be leading some woman whose only sin was becoming attracted to a man-child down a long and tragic road. And this road is worlds away from home. She checks the time again and looks frustrated. Everybody knows Michael is not ready. Well, everybody except Michael. And that poor girl. Yeah, fuck him. Interior screen golf room. Continuous. Brent yanks a nine-iron out of his bag. Can we get back on point, please? Kenny. So what's your plan? You gonna meet some nice Korean girl and take her home with you? (sighs) Sure. Maybe. Gloria. Do you have any idea of the culture shock she'd go through? Just because you want to live in winter's asshole Canada? Interior classroom day. A frazzled blonde teacher is watching Aubrey's YouTube show on her iPad as Korean kindergartners climb all over her. Aubrey on the iPad. Gloria was right. Despite these moments when it feels like home, the truth is we are foreigners in a foreign land, and that's never easy, no matter where you are. Interior, Incheon Airport, arrivals. Morning. A group of weary travelers stumble through the exit. From the group emerges a smiling face. She is Haley Rendell twenty two. Her pink velour tracksuit matches her pink carry on and pink lip gloss. She speaks in a slow southern drawl. Haley Jess Oh my lord <laughs> Jess gives her a little wave which sends Haley bounding through the crowd and over to them. Just before she reaches them, however, an ajima in a tracksuit of her own ploughs her over on her way through Haley goes uh, on her way through. Haley goes down with a yelp. She looks up, anticipatively from the floor, as if expecting someone to help her up. No one does. No bother. Haley picks herself up and continues along her previous heading. When she finally reaches them, she pulls a very reluctant Brit into a hug. Jess, unaccustomed to American greetings, tries to force a smile. Jess. Welcome to Korea. Fade out. End of act one. Act two. Fade in. Exterior. Coffee shop. Afternoon. A laptop on a patio table at a coffee shop on a Sunday afternoon in Seoul. Angle on the screen. A final cut editing sequence. Aubrey's face fills the playback screen as we scrub through this sequence. We stop on a frame of Aubrey looking particularly solemn. The sequence begins to play. Aubrey on screen. Edna St. Vincent Millay wrote, Pity me not, because the light of day, at close of day, no longer walks the sky. Pity me not for beauty's past from field and thicket as the years go by. The sequence stops. This section is highlighted and deleted. Aubrey, off screen to herself. Pity me not because the light of day, Aubrey? Really? Haley, off screen, background. Tiger moms? Oh dear. Jess, off screen, background. They're as bad as they sound. Exterior street, afternoon. The boys make their way out of the screen golf building and into the harsh afternoon sun. They squint as their eyes adjust. Kenny looks at Gloria and laughs. Dude, you look so Korean right now. Dude, I am Korean. This stops him momentarily. Yeah, but not Korean Korean. Gloria to the group. Okay, well, on that note, I'll say goodbye. It's laundry day. I'm wearing the same shirt I barfed in. See you tonight, boys. Kenny checks his notifications and frowns. I've got to take off, too. My mom needs me. Michael, I'll walk with you. Brent to Michael, where do you think you're going? You and I have a lot of shit to talk about. Michael takes a couple steps closer to the Aussie in a rare display of aggression. Fuck you, Brent. You've been busting my, ba- my balls all day over a goddamn hypothetical scenario. I said I was open to the idea of finding someone I could settle down with. Not that I was going to. Jesus. Brent puts up his hands in mock surrender. I can see that this is a touchy subject, and I wasn't approaching it with the requisite level of sensitivity. Mea culpa. Michael. It's not a touchy subject. It's that you're a dick. Brent. Fair play. Slugging his shoulder. Come on, mate. Let's go get our jimjobong on. Michael, sighing. (sighs) fine. I could use a soak after your relentless ball bashing. Cut to interior, jimjilbong, locker room, afternoon. Brent and Michael are naked and stowing their belongings in their lockers. Brent looks over and whistles. If your life has any redeeming value, Michael, it's your massive penis. Uh, thanks? I'm not a Nancy or anything, but that thing is incredible. Could use it to fight crime or something. I don't even know what that means. Seems like a crime against femininity to limit that thing to just one woman. Here we go again. Interior Jim Jabong sauna moments later. The boys ditch their towels and climb into a massive hot tub with a single occupant, a noticeably uncomfortable ajushi in the far corner. As if sensing his discomfort, Brent crosses the expanse of the tub to sit disturbingly, disturbingly close to the man. He casually continues his conversation with Michael from across the tub. I just don't want to see you get hurt is all. It's still a hypothetical scenario. Now who's being a dick? If you don't want to talk about it, all you have to do is say so. I don't want to talk about it. Whatever. Brent turns his attention to the man beside him. He turns and gives him a sly wink. How you doing? Exterior coffee shop, afternoon. The patio outside Coffee Mama is surprisingly empty for such a lovely afternoon. Aubrey, Jess, and Haley head for the two tables nearest to the street, the best spot for people watching. Getting there requires navigating the trays of coffee, two huge rolling suitcases and an overflowing carry-on through a maze of tables and chairs. Finally settled, Jess and Haley talk while Aubrey powers up her laptop at the next table and begins editing her latest video. Jess is no-nonsense on work matters. She takes her job very seriously. Jess, so you're a certified teacher back home? Yes, ma'am. Angelina County and the state of Texas. Good for you. Now... Forget all that. Teaching has very little to do with a hogwan job. This is all about customer service. Your job is to keep the tiger moms happy. Tiger moms? Oh dear. Yeah, they're as bad as they sound. Can we keep the cynicism down to a dull roar? I'm trying to get some work done. Haley turns and tries to see the screen from over Aubrey's shoulder. What are you working on? Our Miss Kruger runs a very popular expat blog all about life, love, and relationships in Seoul. Like sex in the city? Yes, no. Aubrey takes a dramatic sip of coffee and gives Jess the stink eye. Cool, so you're the go-to girl for advice about boys in Korea. Something like that. What are you working on right now? This one is whether relationships born in Korea can survive back home. Can they? Uh, The jury's still out on this one, but it isn't looking good. Jess, just don't plan on taking one home and you'll be fine. It's like getting a new car. Lease. Don't buy. It's the upkeep that will kill you. I don't understand. Wouldn't it be like having a summer home? You have two homes and one relationship do y'all really think the relationship changes just because you went to the lake house? Jess, Haley, there's something you need to understand, and you'll find that this applies to many aspects of your life abroad. This isn't home. You may spend the rest of your life living here, but it will never truly be your home. Aubrey attempts to soften the blow a little. It's more like a parallel universe. You'll have friends and lovers here, just like you had back home, but these relationships will always be a bit foreign. As a result, I guess the relationship you bring back just doesn't belong in your home universe. That's so depressing. Why would anyone want to pursue a relationship here? I think we hold out hope that we will be the exception to see, to what seems to be the rule. I've always wanted to believe that when it comes to love, there are no rules. Jess scoffs. Haley doesn't react. I know I just got here, but it seems to me that if these couples had problems when they got home, they had problems here. Maybe you're right. Exterior coffee shop afternoon. We have returned to the final cut sequence. Was she right? Were the relationships that failed back home doomed to fail here anyway? To find out, I'd have to think of a couple that made it work back home to see if their relationship was just healthier than everyone else's. The trouble was trying to think of one as a study case. Case study. The screen changes to Facebook fan page for Aubrey's blog, Soul Searching. Aubrey types a new posting. Are you, or were you, in a relationship that started in Korea that continued when you went home? If so, I'd like to talk to you about it. Skype me. Interior, computer screen, evening. We see one side of a Skype interview. The sequence cuts between Sarah, early thirties, British, and Ben, mid-thirties, American. I met Ben at one of those hiking trip outing thingies, and we hit it off right away. Ben, there was just something about her, you know? Sarah, we dated for a few months before we moved in together. Ben, if there was going to be a problem, that's when you'd think it would pop up. But it didn't. Smooth sailing for like two years. Sarah, he got a job offer in Seattle, so we packed up and got on a plane. It was my first time to America. Aubrey, off screen. So what happened? Ben, what did she say? Sarah, he was just, I don't know, different somehow. Ben, she was just different somehow. Aubrey, voiceover. Without an example of these things working out i might as well call time of death on relationships born abroad fade out end of act two act three fade in exterior coffee shop evening aubrey is sitting with her head in her hands and her elbows on the laptop case as she contemplates aubrey voiceover i was certain i had an example of someone who made this whole relationship born abroad thing work but I couldn't think of a single one. Aubrey breaks her silence and turns to Jess. Aubrey, Stephen Bryan. Brian? Jess waves them off. They don't count. They're gay. Aubrey, so you're saying it's the presence of pussy that dooms a relationship? Yes. Haley, do y'all always talk like that? Jess, do you always talk like that? Like what? Aubrey, it's her first day. Be nice. Now help me think of an example. Jess. I've got nothing. Standing. Let's show you your apartment, then. Aubrey begins to pack up her laptop and notes. Aubrey. Can we stop by the Happy Store along the way? Jess. Sure. Interior convenience store, moments later. CCTV point of view. We are watching Aubrey shop for wine along the narrow aisle of this tiny store. Aubrey. Voiceover. I had to come up with something. It was time for plan B. She selects one and pays the ajima cashier at the counter. Aubrey, to camera. The B stands for booze, in case you haven't figured that out. To the woman. Thank you. Ajima cashier. Okay. Okay. Aubrey, voiceover. Cab Sav is basically a thinking cap in a bottle. Interior. Haley's apartment. Evening. Jess leads Haley and Aubrey into the tiny studio apartment where Haley will be living for the next year. It is poorly lit and terribly decorated. Haley takes a moment to register the horror. Grungy windows, mildewy doors, and ripped vinyl floors covered with mismatched flea market refugee furniture. A cockroach scampers across the floor. Aubrey is all too familiar with the twisted expression on Haley's face. She fumbles in her bag for a corkscrew. Wine? Match cut to interior supermarket evening. A cheerfully animated sample lady in the wine aisle of the E-Mart offers a small paper cup full of cheap wine to Brent. Oh, yes, please. He downs the wine and grabs another for the run to catch up with Michael. Brent over his shoulder. Thank da, Thank you. You see Michael ahead, pushing a cart, weaving his way through the sea of shoppers, moving in no particular direction. He pulls over to the side of the dairy aisle uh, to check his shopping list against the contents of his cart. He nods to himself and heads for the milk. Brent approaches from behind. Be sure to get lactose-free, mate. You know how my tummy gets. I'd buy extra lactose if they made it. Maybe that would keep you out of my fridge. You're in a real mood today. Brent rifles through the items in Michael's cart. He is unimpressed. I'm sorry. I suppose I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. No worries. I just assumed you were menstruating. Speaking of, guess what I woke up next to this morning? Hold on. Are we speaking of waking up on the wrong side of the bed or menstruation? Wrong side of the bed, mate. Do try and keep up. My apologies. Please, continue. You know that Sheila I was chatting up at Deb's going-away party. Wow, her! Don't I wish? Nah, mate. I couldn't find my way home, so I knocked out uh, at this skeezy love motel. Right, around five. Uh, around five, the ajima running the place comes in under false pretense. I called her how many, mate? Grandmother. Jesus. Michael picks up a bag of shredded cheese, tosses it in the cart, and checks it off the list. The stories of Brent's antics, no matter how debauched, are apparently no longer shocking to him. What about you? I saw you talking to that knockout at the bar. Unmi. Details! Michael begins pushing the cart towards the produce aisle. I woke up with her in my arms, and I thought, Wow, this is really nice. Why can't I wake up like this every day? He grabs a bunch of bananas and tosses them into the cart. Brent immediately removes them and replaces them with a more ripe uh, ripe bunch. I'm just getting tired of the single life. Waking up to someone new, entirely bypassing emotional connection. I'm 31, and I'm alone. You're only 31, mate. You've still got a few more years of fun until the Sheilas are no longer interested. That's when you get married. The super annoying E-Mart theme song begins to play in the background. Happy, 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 happy one. They initially try to ignore it, but it's far too powerful. Before long, they're singing along. When the song stops, they're back at it. You and I are just at different places right now. Okay. Say you found the one here. Now what? You know these things don't work out when you go home. Are you prepared to stay here forever? I don't know. Maybe? You're frustrating me. You're frustrating me. Please just let it go. This is all hypothetical, and you're turning it into an indictment for some reason. Can I please just shop for melons in peace? Brent. (laughs) Melons. Cut to. into your computer screen. Evening. Another Skype interview session. This one features Sean, 27, Irish, and Melanie, 24, Canadian. Sean, to be clear, Melanie was great. Is great. Melanie, I still think Sean is a great guy. The problem was her mother. I moved to the snowy plains of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, about a million miles from home, and this woman, a total stranger, is on my case from the minute I get there. My mom is, well, my mom. She can get a bit overwhelming at times. She likes Sean, I think. My mother had a very hands-off approach to parenting, if you know what I mean. I wasn't prepared to deal with someone else's mother being involved in every facet of my life. If we're being honest here, this would have happened anywhere. He and my mother just weren't compatible as people. When we were in Seoul, I honestly didn't think it would be an issue. He thought he could handle it, too. It just wasn't going to work out. I don't think it mattered that we met abroad. I think we learned that when it comes to relationships, that start abroad, you you just need to have realistic expectations. Interior, Haley's apartment, evening. Jess and Haley are in Haley's new bathroom. It is a fairly small place, and there isn't enough space in there for the two of them and the washing machine. Jess shows her how the how the shower works. Haley, so you just shower wherever in here? It's not like a special shower place. This is Korea, dear. You'll need to manage your expectations. Aubrey yelling from the other room, "What about Dean and Megan?" Jess yelling back, "You didn't hear?" Aubrey pokes her head in, "Hear what?" Dean found Jesus. I I didn't know he was missing left her to go join some kind of Christian commune in Middle America. No warning, just one day, poof. Huh. Haley, so I can wash my clothes while I take a shower? Jess, Korean efficiency. Aubrey and Jess share a laugh. Haley doesn't get it. Aubrey, speaking of showers, why don't you have one? It's been a long day. We'll be back in a little while to take you to dinner and meet the rest of the crew. Haley, attempting a cheerful tone. Okay. Interior, apartment hallway. Moments later, Jess and Aubrey quietly exit Haley's apartment. Jess clearly wants to say something and doesn't want to wait until they are out of earshot. She pulls out her phone. Angle on the phone. She types, This one isn't going to survive. I'll start looking at more resumes tomorrow. After a moment, Aubrey writes back. Give her a chance. Fade out. End of Act 3. Act 4. Fade in. Interior. Korean barbecue restaurant. Night. Michael, Brent, Gloria, and Kenny are sitting around a long table in the middle of a bustling restaurant. They are playing a drinking game with the cap of a soju bottle while they wait for the rest of the group. Michael clearly isn't into it. Brent flicks the tail of the cap and grins. Then he notices Michael's discomfort. Hey, mate. I'm sorry about the ball busting earlier today. I don't know what got into me. I guess I just... You just what? I'm afraid of losing another one of the good boys, you know? Michael attempting a smile. I seriously doubt I'll ever be free of you. Brent grabs the bottle, pours a big shot, and hands it to him. That's the spirit. Now take your medicine, bitch. Michael takes his penalty shot and chokes it down. The table cheers. Aubrey, Jess, and Haley enter and make their way to the table. Aubrey... I see you've started the party without us. Kenny. It's never a party without you, love. Aubrey leans toward Haley. Aubrey. This one right here. The only decent one of the bunch. Jess. Everybody. This is Haley. Haley. This is everybody. Can I get a drink now? Brent pours a round of soju and beer for the ladies. He drops the shots into the beers. Gloria. So, Jesus. It's her first day. Brent. Nothing less than a proper introduction to Korea for our new friend here. He winks at her. Haley isn't sure what to make of all this. A waiter arrives with a plate of raw meat and a plethora of side dishes. Cut to interior Korean barbecue restaurant. Later, the meat sizzles on the grill as the group drinks, chats, and laughs. Haley, are all y'all English teachers? Aubrey, pointing at each one in turn. Kenny, you met Kenny. He works in computers. Kenny, I'm an engineer, actually. Brent is... Well, Brent, what do you do here? Brent tosses back another shot I showed you. Shots. Aubrey, Brent does shots. Turning back to him. Now, what do you do for a job? Brent, I'm an actor slash singer-songwriter. Right. Gloria works as a school counselor. But she hates children. Fuck them. I write English textbooks. So it's really just you and Jess doing the teaching around here. Cut to interior Korean bar- barbecue restaurant. Later. The charred and empty grill still sizzles. Empty bowls of bonchan are hidden among towering empty bottles. Haley. What's the strangest thing you've seen in Korea? Gloria. Definitely Korean chicks in heels on the treadmill. That shit is hilarious. They'll get get on it in full makeup and heels and stop before they break a sweat. Michael. Nah, nothing is better than watching them break out five grand worth of photography gear just to take a selfie at a coffee shop. Jess. Couples' outfits are what get me. The girl and the guy go out in public wearing the same outfit. Jess. I don't know how any self-respecting woman could ever sleep with her boyfriend again after he submitted himself to that level of degradation. Kenny. It has to be Dong Chimi. It's this cartoon character with shit on his head. He doesn't do anything special, and he's not even funny. He just has shit on his head. I'm Korean, and I don't even get it. Cut to. Interior. Korean barbecue restaurant. Later. More empty bottles. Speech has become a little slurred. Aubrey. Let me ask you guys something. Do you know of any couple that stayed together after they went home? I'm working on this story and I can't think of an example of one working out. Gloria, what about Steve and Brian? Aubrey, Jess says they don't count. Why, because they're gay? Yes, but no, um, look, it doesn't matter. I just talked to Steve and he said Brian cheated on him with his trainer a couple weeks ago. Jess, oh my god. Aubrey, yeah. Poor Stephen. He's a mess. I told him to come back. Jess, best wingman I ever had. Aubrey, anybody else? Blank stares. Jess, I don't believe you need an example to show that it can work. Think about our friends here. This motley crew of miscreants and 'er ne'er-do-wells. Present company excluded, of course. Brent, oh, of course. Jess, is it any wonder that they have trouble making anything work when they go back home? Everyone nods. Jess. Now, if two healthy, well adjusted people come upon each other abroad, it stands to reason that they would have just as good a chance of making it work. We just don't happen to know any of these people. Aubrey. Wow. Profound words from Love's Biggest Critic. Jess. Sheepishly. You know what I mean. Interior. Computer screen. Later. On screen. We are watching this on Aubrey's YouTube page. She speaks to her webcam from her bed at night. As she speaks, we resume cutting to people watching the video on various devices in a variety of locations across Seoul and the world. So, is it possible for a love born abroad to survive the trip back home? Can two people who've met so far from their own worlds really make it work? Maybe I'm just a hopeless romantic, but I believe it's possible provided that you're prepared to deal with what you know in advance will be a real challenge. That, and you aren't friends with this group. Fade out? The end. Thanks, everybody.